Monarch Legacy of Monsters Season 1 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Adam H. I have been into the beyond where we go beyond logic and abandon all hope for me ever liking Hiroshi. That's where I am right now uh, in this space. We have, of course, finished Monarch Legacy of Monsters. It's very exciting. Uh, a very fun time this was. We got to see some Mutos back at play. We got to... Uh, resolving italics and maybe quotes for some of these characters but luckily one thing is for sure going to be resolved here todd this is our final podcast about monarch welcome here we are end of the road kind of here we are yeah i, I think our predictions last episode uh, were based on an erroneous assumption that they would actually try to tie everything together in this finale and not set up a season two which at the time that we're recording has not yet been announced uh, although I did see an interview with the creators that they're feeling really good about the chance of getting picked up. Apparently Monarch is doing really well on Apple. So there's a good chance it will get picked up, but yeah, all my predictions like, Oh yeah, they're not doing a time jump. Cause how are they going to resolve everything? If they do a time jump answer, they're not going to resolve everything. So let's do a time jump. Yeah. There was a lot of play with time here. Uh, it, it maybe turned out to be much more of a math equation than uh, at least you had anticipated in terms of being able to predict how long things were because Keiko has a way with numbers always has. So we're able to calculate that. No problem. Um, and of course the number one thing that leads me to, uh, to suggest that we certainly could be barreling towards a season two here. We don't need Kurt Russell to say Yes, that to me feels like a very much a, a big green indicator here that there could be a season two of Monarch. And I will say as much as we are going to find things with which I have issue in this episode, and I imagine you probably feel the same way about some of these characters or maybe a few of these storylines. I would not be mad about a season two. I would not be upset about it. There were enough good and kind of cool things with this show in total that I wouldn't be mad. I would watch a season two. I'd be here for a conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been enjoying the show uh, on the whole. You know, I've had some minor gripes here and there. But overall, it's been really cool to get a little bit more backstory into the world of the MonsterVerse. I like a lot of the characters, although sadly, some of the characters I like the most we probably won't be seeing any more of in future seasons. Although there is still like a little bit of a gap uh, in the Billy Lee Keiko timeline between the last time that we saw them take over Monarch again and whenever Keiko drop down the hole there's still a few years worth of stuff they could play with we could get to see like the young versions of the game yet again maybe well i don't know todd we have to spend so much more time with hiroshi that's all i know we have to spend all of our time with hiroshi this was not the hiroshi flashback episode that i had anticipated that we have been waiting for basically the entire show now i will just say in our defense the premise of this show is Hiroshi. That's the reason why we're here. That was all of episode one is this guy is looking for mystery box a and has two mystery box families and is investigating this other mystery box. Let's figure out what's going on. Who knows? (laughs) And now this episode, Hiroshi was like, you're telling me you're going off of a scientific hunch based on something you idiot. I'm never going to support this crazy outlandish theory. Why would you do something so stupid? Literally, Two seconds ago, Hiroshi, you were running around a desert with a giant Muto magnet on the back of your truck. Just, I mean, oh, freaking Hiroshi, man. This guy, yeah. This guy. Oh, yeah. We'll, 
We'll get into it. We'll get into it big time whenever we get that scene. But the other thing the show's predicated on has been like blending the present and the past and doing flashbacks. Every episode up until now has had like a significant flashback structure. And so it only made sense. Who are we going to get flashbacks from this episode? Uh, Hiroshi, right? No. The answer is no one. We're getting flashbacks from nobody. No flashbacks in the uh, season finale, which begs the question, if they do bring it back for season two, are they going to do away with the flashback structure or are they going to find other ways to do flashbacks? So we'd still flashback to young Billy after Lee's gone. We could see some stuff of that. We could see more stuff with Hiroshi. We could learn more about some of the other stuff that's been going on. I think there's still ways they could do the flashback show. They could always add new characters. Like we don't know anything about Brenda from Apex. We don't know like what's going on with her past. We could definitely get to that. Oh, I already know. The flashbacks are going to be what's happened in the last two years. That's what the oh, flashbacks God. will probably be. You know, we'll still have the flashback, but it'll be probably like some character well, building for a few people. <laughs> and then what's happened in the last two years. Todd, you know what that means? We get so much more Kentaro. That's what that and means. And Hiroshi together. <laughs> That's Kentaro what we get and Hiroshi together years. are fa- my favorite two characters. Although at least Kentaro is now like again ripping into his dad at every opportunity. So yeah, good for him. I saw I honestly and Amiko, who turns out to low-key be an MVP this show out of absolutely nowhere. Um, okay, I feel like we're, we're like talking about this episode, like we're down on it or making fun of it. I enjoyed the show, there was some good stuff, but man. Hiroshi, this is tough. Um, okay, let's get into this. This is the finale of uh, season one of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. If you were not subscribed here to the podcast, um, this is it for us over here. But there are uh, Post Week is covering so many, so many things. Postweekups.com slash subscribe. Get in the know. And of course, Todd, you and I have covered this uh, all the way from the start. So if this, if you're just jumping in now because you're like, man, I don't know what to make of this finale. Um, well, we might be, I don't know that we'll be able to actually explain that, but we do have nine other podcasts that you can go listen to of the previous nine episodes to get all the way caught up here before the finale. Um, postrecaps.com slash subscribe, so go do that. But we are here to talk about the season one finale of Monarch Legacy of Monsters titled Beyond Logic. Of course, this is a, uh, a reference to the, the, the quote that we have been, um, we've been kind of seeing throughout the entirety of the episode. We have a couple different time periods to go through and, and we usually do this kind of backwards to forwards, which is still how we'll do it this time. But there's this sort of this like in between where we're down below. So we'll kind of do that in the middle before we go to the forwards is I think kind of how this makes sense here. So we're starting uh, 2015 in our, in our present day, which is the furthest back we go. As we alluded to earlier, no flashbacks. I didn't hate, that there were no flashbacks this episode. It didn't make sense to me. And I didn't like all the other stuff, but it's, I didn't hate that there were no flashbacks this episode. That being said, okay, 2015. We're in Tokyo and we have to deal with this fallout from the last episode where we saw Hiroshi and Kentaro had this conversation uh, or just blistering rebuttal of everything that Hiroshi has been doing in his life, basically. And Hiroshi is telling Kentaro, okay, um, well, I didn't realize it was going to be Godzilla and the desert. I was just looking for any old Titan. Just, uh, just any any old Titan would have done. That would have been totally fine if we just had any old Titan because we needed to open a rift to prove that the network existed and that my parents were right. And uh, don't even worry about it, Kentaro. The reason I didn't tell you is because, well, I just wanted to protect you, okay? I was just trying to protect you by doing what I did. 
What would, what, what, what would you rather me not fall in love with your mother? I was just trying to protect you with everything I did. Kentaro. Don't you see? Hiroshi. Ah, this, this whole sequence. Uh, so, so the whole, the whole time these like, you know, Hiroshi's out there doing good things. Hiroshi's trying, you know, he's working to stop what's going on. That's why Hiroshi's doing this, but no, Hiroshi's just finally decided that he's going to try to stop thinking that his parents are crazy and try to prove that they knew what they're talking about. That's, that's the only motivation he gives for what he's doing. He was trying to find a Titan to open up a rift. And that's it. He wasn't trying to stop an emergence event. He was trying to prove this theory. Now, maybe prove the theory would be a way towards getting Monarch to do stuff to stop the emergence events. But that's not what we get. All we get is, I find this out my parents weren't crazy. And now I want other people to know they're not crazy as well. That is already a bit of a disappointment. His motivations yeah. are not as pure as we are being led to believe they were. As, not as pure as Lee was assuming they were because Lee was seeing the best in Hiroshi, which uh, Lee, you got to stop doing that. Uh, I don't think there's be a problem uh, with <laughs> Lee's say the end of this, but uh, yeah, yeah. But the other thing is, you know, he's like, he's like, Kentaro, I need you to work with me. Together, we can do this. Which okay, yeah, he's trying to bring his son in, trying to get the bonding, and Kentaro's like, only if you answer one question. And Kentaro and doesn't even ask the question. So Roshi's like, oh, that's what that's what matters you, the fate of the world at stake? <laughs> you know, you want to know why I like had like a secret family and never told you about why I cheated on your mother and cheated on Kate's mother? Why I'm an awful human being? That's what matters to you now when the world's at stake? Even though that's not even remotely why I've said I'm doing all of this? Man, Kentaro, I can't believe you. Like, Hiroshi, chill out. <laughs> Just chill out, you know. And then he's like, I can't explain it. I've thought about it. You don't think I've thought about it? I you think I could explain it. I just you would you rather I didn't fall in love with your mother and our family didn't exist? And Kentaro cold his eyes, like, our family doesn't exist. And mic drop and out the door. Because Kentaro's like, forget this BS. I don't have to deal with this man anymore. Uh ever since Kentaro like basically figured his way out of Alaska, he's kind of been the MVP of the season, to be to be like very honest with you. Up until he like was the one to, you know, get the help and get that figured out, he kind of sucked. Um, I you know, there's no other way to say this. He was kind of brutal those first couple episodes. He's been pretty great ever since he's like started standing up for himself. There's a, there's a little bit of stuff in the yeah. but like uh, uh comparatively, comparatively, the big shift. Um, because now he's just telling him off. And I was like, first of all, is this just because you have no reason, Hiroshi? Is this just because you like to to sleep with multiple women and have multiple families? Like, because in my mind, you have a couple of options with this because it had to be addressed, right? They couldn't have, I mean, I guess they could have. They like I guess they could have ended the season without it being addressed, but like they had to come up with like someone asked the question of like, okay, Hiroshi, why do you have two families? And he's just like, um, why would you ever, you idiot, why would you ever want to know that answer? Why would you ever want, like, uh, there, there's so many other things going on right now. How could you like prioritize this? And I'm like, this is the whole show. This is like the entirety of the show. So like, do you just not have a reason? Is there like, just not a reason for it? Because all it would have taken for me, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I would have been on Hiroshi's side had he said this. I want to be very clear <laughs> in stating that right up front. I would not have been on his side, but I just needed to hear, well, I was in love with this first woman and then I fell in love again. You know, I would have just needed something along those lines of like, I didn't go out looking for it or intend it, but it just kind of happened. And I was too much of an idiot to stop 
one or I like didn't have the heart to break up. I, I don't know. I needed any kind of explanation here for something for me to even pretend to sympathize with Hiroshi at, for a single second after this moment in the episode. And it's not like we have been very sympathetic towards Hiroshi on this podcast up until this point, because the show has not given us anything to be sympathetic for. So like, it's not like we've been you know generous with this character up until this point, but now he literally gives him nothing and good on you, Kentaro for being like, I'm out of here. I'm done. Okay. This was not a good enough answer. See why outside. Like we'll be seeing you. Fair enough. Good for you, Kentaro. Way to stand up for yourself. In this moment, screw you, Hiroshi. <laughs> what did I just? Okay. Anyway, this is not even the last thing we'll see of Hiroshi. But okay, we're back at Monarch headquarters. We have Tim and Verdugo because we paid him for ten episodes, and we have to keep him around, I guess. And they're going to be so, so inconsequential here. Um, taking Tim in my drafts last week was a joke and a half. Um, you're arguing about the importance of like investigating these, um, you know, the, the, the waves that we had, we had talked about previously of, you know, we saw me do this almost live down um, in the, in the hollow earth. So, okay. They're investigating this. And Verdugo's like, listen, um, my hands are tied here. And of course I'm over here like oh, oh, that tied by who? Who's the actual director. There's only one person above you. We don't even see him. Well, they just randomly tie you're tying yourself. And then she's like, points to a dramatic map of the world. Do you see what I'm dealing with here? Do you see the world behind me erupting in flames, basically? I'm dealing with all this stuff, okay? I can't deal with that. Tim's like, okay, but if in any normal situation, we would treat this like a big thing. She's like, well, yeah, uh, it's not a normal situation, Tim. And if you don't shut up, you're going to be fired and on permanent medical leave. Because if you remember, Tim's like leg is all screwed up or something from the from the time he was um in a helicopter and everyone else died around him his leg is a little screwed up from that she's like you're and gonna go on permanent from, uh, medical leave yeah also from everything in kazakhstan falling on him i think is the the more immediate thing that causes his leg to be there's a lot yeah okay there's a lot of bad stuff going on uh, with yeah. him unfortunately um yeah. uh, and she's just like yeah you're gonna be done uh tim is trying his best out here and okay the other problem that i have with this part of it I don't see them doing anything else. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm seeing Verdugo like deploy resources or other like areas of focus to somewhere else. She's just like, Tim, shut up, sit down and get back to work. Stop worrying about this, this thing. Yeah. I mean, she says that they have gotten all the bases up to a uh, operational barely. So like, she made a line like, yeah, things are happening. They are like setting up bases at all of the sites. So they are co trying to coordinate this, but the thing that gets me is so like you said, like she says, my hands are tied and Tim's like, then untie them. <laughs> Otherwise Sean was right about us and definitely right about you, which is never, she's like, you better be really careful what you say next. <laughs> uh, but I'm just like, for Dugo, because uh, to Tim's point, Tim's like, yeah, because she's like, you're just trying to say, we can't do, you know, do all this to, to save three people. And he's like, those three people have figured out how to send a signal from inside the hollow earth because they don't know it's Keiko yet, but they're like these three people. They someone, even if it's not these three, someone down there is sending a signal from inside. They have like wound up in there and figured out how to send a signal. They are inside the thing where the problems are coming from. You don't think that investigating that and finding them and getting bring them out so they can they might know what's going on. Spoiler alert, they don't, they have no clue what's going on. So it would have been like, yeah. Because then Verdugo would have had a big I told you so at that moment, I guess. But still, it's worth checking out. It's worth devoting even a modicum of resources, even if it's just Tim. Even just saying, yeah, Tim, 
you have free reign to to investigate this or whatever. Take Barnes. Barnes, the one that found the uh, the signal. You and Barnes go off and, and look into. It. I can't send you any soldiers. But you guys can like look and see, you know, whatever. But she's like so stubborn, and it's, it's annoying. Verdugo, as a character in the show, is there to be a barrier yeah. until she's not, and then be a barrier again. Because she's a barrier to everything through most of the show. Then we have like the brief moment where she's like, okay, I'm out of options. So I'm going to listen to Tim and let you kids help out. And now she's back to being a barrier again. And it's just there to like, even whenever Tim like has points and does things. And she, the next time she's not going to listen to him, even though he was right last time, because they need someone to be the, the bad guy, the one putting up the walls. And we have to hammer the home the point of monarch doesn't do anything one more time yeah i to be honest with you i really needed a scene it could have been short a scene of verdugo talking to a maybe unnamed unseen whatever actual director who is like we can't do this i i needed someone else to like give her almost permission to be as much of a barrier as she is because this is just nonsensical to me given everything that we have seen and proven throughout the last nine episodes like there have been so many times in the last nine episodes where she had like her limiting others has gone horribly wrong for her and ultimately not ended up in the favor of not only what's right, but also of Monarch specifically. So like, it just doesn't make sense to me what she's doing here. And I just needed to see someone else, whoever this actual director is, instead of like deputy director to be like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. Like you don't have permission for this. I just needed some other like motivation other than I'm going to keep my stick in the, in right here and you can't pass. You know what I mean? Like I just needed something else and we didn't get anything this is i think this is the last we see of verdugo for the whole series uh this season yeah definitely so uh, you know who knows if, if she'll be back but uh, you know unfortunate there we're back to hiroshi <laughs> he's moving his stuff out of the uh tokyo apartment with amiko and um amiko is basically like you know where are you gonna go and he's like, well, I'm going to go to San Francisco. I got like some stuff to do. I have to finalize the divorce. He's acting like a sad boy here who wasn't just, uh, you know, with with two families for uh, like over a dozen years. Um, and she's like, oh, man, that's going to be wild. You're going to San Francisco. And he's like, yeah, um, well, I, you know, I just have to go finish this divorce that's happening over here. And she's like, well, when you figure out a place to, you know, stay, when you when you find out a place, um, well, um, you should let Kentaro know because the boy deserves to be with his father. You absolute just jerk. You moron, idiot face. Slams the ring down on the box. See ya, Hiroshi. Freaking love Amigo here. Good for her. Good for her standing up for herself. We got almost nothing from Kate's mom, which is a little unfortunate that we only kind of only saw the one side of this, um, you know, from them. But good for Amigo here. Fully standing up for herself. I was, I was a little worried we were going to get to the oh, you're just misunderstood trying to do the right thing, Hiroshi, and I'll take you back and we can be a family again. No, no, absolutely not. Get Hiroshi out of there. And honestly, if I were Kentaro, I wouldn't care where my dad is living. Go live in the hollow earth for all I care. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like you, I was really, because Amiko, as we see, has been like so sweet and so understanding about everything. Yeah, I was nervous we are going to get that. So her pl plucking her ring off and slamming it down on the box, like, yes. Yes, great, great for Mimiko. 
Yeah, uh, Miko is the MVP this episode, really. Tim, <laughs> friggin' Tim, then goes and finds Kentaro at the speakeasy. I think it's the same one we were at uh, earlier. Yeah. And tells him about the signal that we that he was picking up from the Hollow Earth. And he decided to go to Hiroshi and ask for help investigating the signal. Like, someone could be down there, someone could be alive, we have to go investigate. Oh, oh so, so Hiroshi jumped all over it, right? Because oh, he's, yeah. they're looking for people to help him out. So as soon as they went to him, Hiroshi's like, oh, yes, the team's together. That That's what that's what this character did, right? This is the most nonsensical and just stupidest. This was the dumbest part of the whole show. The, like, by leaps and bounds, because Hiroshi is like, no. I'm not. I'm not going to jump all over this. This is this is ridiculous. How could you be going on these wild theories? It's too dangerous. And okay, maybe maybe if you, I would say squid. But if you just close your eyes and cover your ears, maybe you could pretend this is the motivation of trying to protect his kids from the danger. But like four seconds ago, it was so important that Kentaro get on board with helping Hiroshi that he was not willing to explain his checks notes. Second family. Uh, he was not, he didn't have time to explain that, but now it's too much. It's too much for Hiroshi. He can't do it. Todd, this infuriated me to oh. no end, not only because like it's freaking what he's doing. It's so inconsistent with the only thing we know about this character. Like we, he has two families, bad dad cuts up pencils. Like they're nothing. And he jumps headfirst into anything, no matter what the consequences are. That's all we know about Hiroshi. And what is this? Yeah. So a, uh, Whenever I was first watching this episode, I, I sent Adam uh, a DM that was like, all right, no real spoilers here, but I'm 27 minutes into the episode. I just have to say, uh, expletive Hiroshi, because <laughs> this scene like, it infuriated me, because Hiroshi is so dismissive about it all. And here's, here's the thing. His whole quest right now is to get a Titan to open a portal to a, uh, prove that his parents weren't crazy with their theories. Now, here comes Tim and Kentaro with a theory about something that requires him to open up a portal. And he's like, no, you're crazy. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And, but then he's also like, they're like, Kate could be a lie. Like, this is cruel. This is cruel. Like, no, it's not cruel. They're not trying to be cruel. They are trying to have hope. And they're like, you know, Shaw came back, like, and the rest of his team did. The variables are nearly infinite. Ah, but the fact is, Shaw did come back. And there is a signal coming from down there. And again, their assumptions are erroneous. Their assumptions that the signal is coming from Kate and the others is not correct. But again, there is a signal coming from the hollow earth, the place you are trying to get to anyway. You are trying to open a portal there to prove the theory. So why not let these two missions like coincide? You know, why don't you like team up? Like, hey, you know, we need to open a portal. You want to open a portal? Let's just do it together. And he is just being a complete and total dick about it. And it makes no sense. Yeah, the problem is when you F around and find out it makes no sense when you don't have around the next time like if someone's like hey do you want to do this again do you want to do something very very similar to what you've already been doing and that's the only thing we know about you um and then you're like no that's ridiculous why would you do it and it's not 
it's not because he found out that there were issues with the actual oh. thing. It he wasn't was because there it. were consequences. He was to still his going actions. to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, oh man, this is too dangerous because of what I learned doing my science and cutting up all these pencils all over Alaska. That was not what the situation was. It was, it was. Oh, it just makes no sense. Okay. Anyway, they convinced him to do it because I, he's inclined to do it. But whatever, Kentaro convinced him to do it. I don't. Kentaro, you just, there's got to be other people in the world that, whatever. Uh, he's like Monarch won't help, but yeah, Monarch won't help, and those are really the only other people they know of. A, uh, but yeah, Monarch won't help because a, uh, he's, that's the other funny thing. It's like you know they come in, Hiroshi's on his high horse. I have no interest in work with Monarch, and Tim's like, yeah, that's good. They wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. Like, no. Tim's like, I think Tim, Tim has a little enough with uh, Hiroshi as well at this point. And then they're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? And Tim's like, you know, Monarch's not the only game in town. Yeah, they're not. Uh, and we'll certainly see a little bit more of that later. Although admittedly, not as much as I was maybe hoping uh, given this um, setup here. So let's move to uh, the Hollow Earth. Let's go to Axis Mundi um, down below what you picked up with this uh, at the end of the last episode with the Keiko reveal here. Um, and Kate recognizes Keiko almost immediately um, and is kind of shocked. And uh, Keiko is like, if, if you were, you know, expecting someone else, like, we're, isn't the whole reason you came down here to, like, to get me? I, I mean, I've been having this signal going on all this time uh, and, and you're here to get me. And then um, you're not with Monarch, are you? And she's like, uh, no, not, I mean, not, not really. Um, and it's very weird. This is a very weird situation. I mean, we expected this. I don't know how I expected this to play out initially. I didn't think that Kate was going to recognize Keiko in like zero seconds. Uh, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but I guess like maybe it shouldn't have because they had been doing like the investigative work and they saw like the files and, and whatnot. So like maybe, maybe I should have expected more of a instant reunion there, but it almost, it almost happens like too quickly. All these realizations, like it feels, it feels very fast. I don't know. It worked for me because, I mean, Keiko knows about her grandmother. She's probably seen pictures. I mean, Hiroshi has not hid, like, pictures of the of her grandmother from her, presumably, growing up. And they have seen, like, even more recent photos of her. Because, like, they saw the picture of Keiko in the Godzilla footprint. And from that picture, small, yeah. grainy picture, she immediately went, that's my grandmother. You know, so she was able to recognize Keiko on the picture. It was flashing by the screen super fast. So to see her in the present alive knowing a uh, that keiko went into the hollow earth you know i mean granted at this point kate doesn't necessarily know like the whole time aspect of it all but yeah for me it felt earned that kate would be able to recognize her in this moment okay i mean fair enough um and then as predicted everyone who was down below met up very quickly we did not spend a lot of time separated uh in this episode which i think was good we did not have time for more <laughs> lee explains to may something situation we just didn't have time for that may was barely in this episode i feel i feel bad for may may did not get the i i mean i was definitely right in that prediction of after we got the may flashback story we were basically done with may she probably should have just stayed home i and you know what i think that would have been such a good change of this show had may actually stayed home and like fulfilled the end of that storyline because we just got so little of her here yeah I know, but we do get her being there to be upset about a, uh, the new partners at the end. So I guess that's kind of why she's around to be like the voice of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's uh, true. I think we could have, 
well, this is in the future world where we get a season two, but we could have gotten like those thoughts in flashbacks during the two years if she had been involved there, but that's obviously way in the future. Anyway, the four of them are meeting up here um, and Lee basically instantly breaks the news um, about this, uh, uh, the Billy of it all, because of course we know um, Bill Randa is dead. And then also the time of it all. And this is where we sort of get this moment of Keiko being like, it was just a couple weeks. It was not, a, it was certainly not a very long time. And um, she starts to do some math because Lee talks about like when he went in on the expedition and went up and then when uh, the whole, the whole situation. And it does seem Todd, like there is a, some sort of mathematical equation or formula here of, of assumption of how old people are in the timing. Except there's not, if you look, <laughs> so I, so no, she basically, he, he basically tells her I came out in this year and then it's been this many years since then. So she does that math of like, she okay, does you the came quick in, math. She does a quick math, but that doesn't correlate to how long either one of them were in the uh, Axis Mundi because she said she's been there about 57 days. He was there for like seven days. He was there for seven days and it shot him like 20 years in the future. She's been there for 57 days and it's shot her 57 years in the future. So it's not like a, mm. a nice one-to-one ratio of like how many days you're there equals like one year or anything like that. So I, there, there's not like an easy math formula there. Uh, but there is like, but there is like this correlation that, you know, time is different there. And she says like, Oh, gravity, uh, which like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we know gravity warp space time. There's like a lot of stuff about, talk about gravity in Godzilla versus Kong. They haven't really talked about the gravity much yeah. in in the show itself, but she mentions it kind of as an offhand thing. The other really interesting thing in these conversations is she talks about how they're actually not in the Titans home world. Currently they're in like a middle place, kind of a liminal space in between the two, like a patchwork of earth and the Titans world, which she calls Axis Mundi, which is kind of interesting that we got the name of Axis Mundi, the episode after that was titled Axis Mundi. Um, but anyway, but I thought that was kind of interesting and that could explain why there's more time distortion here than in like, whenever they actually go all the way to the Titans world and Godzilla versus Kong, uh, that could be part of the reason why there isn't as much of a time distortion there. This is a slightly different space with more of that distortion going on constantly as opposed to maybe like a little bit of distortion as you first travel through that's my assumption is that in godzilla versus kong we actually see the titans world whereas this is kind of like someplace like in between and so that that rectifies one of my small complaints about like the time of it all since it didn't really mesh up with what we saw in Godzilla versus Kong but if they're actually two different worlds with their different rules if that's what they're going for here then I'm much more okay with it yeah and it could also be like a combination thing of where you have to go through and like what the differences are in the different places they didn't I think very intentionally they didn't like say well here's this space and here's these rules for this space and then here's this space and here's these rules for this space that like are always followed I do think that like keeping it a little gray um, at least helps me not have to a remember all the rules when go in. <laughs> um, so that's good and then B it also allows them some flexibility to, to tell the story that they're wanting to tell here um and so Keiko leads them to the device that she's using to, to send the signal, um, which uh, does turn out to be the craft that Lee used to travel back there all the way back in the 60s. We did see this. Um, and Lee realizes, hey, um, well, I was supposed to go home in that thing, and it's still here. 
maybe we could use it. Very interesting. They carry the device back to the craft and uh, they kind of reset it um, to do what it was originally designed to do. Now, we this device has been all over this season of Monarch. It has been truly everywhere of here's this ball and it attracts Titans. That I mean, there are two things we know in this universe is that this ball attracts Titans is that Hiroshi freaking hates those pencil shapes. <laughs> those are the two things that we know. And so it attracts a Titan uh, to, to create this rift. And of course, that's the other kind of you know piece of this. We need a rift in order to be able to travel through. And a Titan being present helps uh, create the rift or does create the rift just kind of in and on its own. So there we go. Um, and originally Keiko's like, um, I'm going to stay behind because this world isn't for me. And I, my son grew up without me and I, I would just change his life so much to go back in it. Um, and Kate basically has the same reaction I do of like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, of course you're not doing this. How this was ridiculous. Did you think for one second that Keiko was not coming back? Um, I thought there was a possibility that Keiko was going to sacrifice herself. But since she said, I'm not going back, like, oh, she's going back. Yeah. You know, I thought that there was going to be something that happened, like what would happen with Lee? I thought Keiko was going to be the one to try to do that because she didn't want to go, you know, go back without Billy and all. I would have hated that, but I thought there was a possibility. I could see the, if she hadn't, like I said, if she hadn't said anything, she was definitely, you could see the gears going in her head. So I was expecting it to be like a last minute thing where she sends them off and she stays behind. Uh, but as soon as she said, I'm staying behind, like, yeah, she's not staying behind. Um, yeah. This is just ridiculous. Like you can't, why are you trying to stay behind? Yeah. Know? Like yeah, even the so logic, right. Of just like, maybe if it was like, I don't really want to be in the, I, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing here that would have made a lot of sense to me, but th what she yeah. said certainly did not make sense to me. Yeah. Her not wanting to go back to a world without Billy that that would make Maybe. sense if that yeah. was the only thing if like that was the only thing but her her reasoning that you know i was i was not my son's life and i'm not going to ruin his life again by reappearing suddenly like oh that's that's that what would happen ruin so, it. Yeah, um, like... i think i mean granted i can't complain about someone making worst case scenarios in their heads about situations because that is a failing of mine so i understand that to some degree, but also not what's going to leave me stranded in a world full of creatures that are trying to kill me constantly. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Come on. Yeah. But yeah, Kate has none of it. Kate's like, no monarch <laughs> and these monsters have taken everything from me. It's not taking my grandmother from me again. No, the curse is broken. You still have work up to do there and we need you. And Lee's like, she is your granddaughter. <laughs> you know? I, yeah, I mean, and, and they, they definitely do in some capacity. My new theory, Todd, maybe Kego knows how much of a douche Hiroshi is. And is like, <laughs> I cannot believe that if I were there, I would have oh. raised him better. And I I, I don't know. So <laughs> what's my new theory? One of my favorite little moments in this is Keiko's asking Kate, tell me about him. Tell me about my son. <laughs> and Kate's like, oh, well, he's a lot like you. He's a family man. And then uh -huh. she says he's a family man. It cuts to May. And the look on May's face as Kate says, for is a family man, is just priceless. Like, a, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it's just 
beautiful. What a spin zone by Kate. He, I mean, Hiroshi is a family man. He likes he loves family so much. He's got two of them. He, exactly. He, he's so good at being a family man. Yeah. But her trying to sugarcoat it and just May just like staring at her like, you did not. You yeah. did not just That was that. a good moment for May, actually. May, May did provide some looks. Um but they don't get very far uh, because it's that. Well, they, I mean, they do eventually here, but the, they, they summon a Titan from this ball. What's the prize? And of course we are. Um, oh my God. Todd, look behind you. It's a Titan. We have to fight. All right. We're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be right back. Cause we fight this Titan. Life's better with American family insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, we're back, but it is not going well here. Our Titan summoning device worked literally perfectly, except we didn't plan for this. The Titan attacked and it broke. Todd, you have to go out there and fix it. You have to get out of get out of this safety and go fix the ball. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Oh, well, that's probably a good idea because uh, it's probably <laughs> um, a bad choice to get out there and go fix it. Lee does, though, because, uh, you know, what does he have to lose? Lee gets out there, fixes the thing, and then um, it works. But, um... Maybe a little too well, because if I know anything, it's that when we summon a Titan with this ball, you can bet your ass that Godzilla is right there. Like, I I would bet anything that Godzilla is attracted to this ball. This is now, what, the, the fourth time we've seen this? The th- is it the third? The third. It's the third it's, or it's, fourth time. It's the third time we've seen this ball I guess, summon Godzilla, I believe. That's a it lot of times. Yeah, the first time, and then the desert, and, and then now. Like, That's a we, lot. we don't know what it summoned whenever Lee got dropped down into into the uh, other world because uh, yes, we didn't see it thing. we saw something big was coming but then they stopped it and it went back down the hole so we didn't see what it was so that might have been Godzilla as well we have no way of knowing but yeah but so the, the problem that they ran into here is yeah the gamma ball worked well but worked a little too well because the titan they summoned was they're trying to summon a titan from earth down so they could follow the rift back up but they summoned a titan that was already in axis moondy that's the one that's attacking him and then they turn back on and now that's when godzilla comes from earth down through the rift which was i do think this was actually a very good choice on on the uh the the part of the show here um so they they go down or godzilla goes down and then they kind of get into a little fight here not super extended this wasn't like a major action sequence but it was I thought it was fun. I do think like in the show, we got enough Godzilla, but it wasn't too much. I feel like I I feel like they made good choices surrounding Godzilla. And I was a little worried at the start that we were not going to have enough. And they definitely have brought it back in the back half of the season here in the desert sequence. And then also in this sequence um, and then in their use of the past storyline as well. So I do think that like we got an appropriate amount of Godzilla. And I, I, one of the things we talked about earlier in the show was like what Titans are in play. Like, who are we going to see? What are we going to, you know, experience and get involved with? Um, and certainly we expected Godzilla to be in there. Did you think we were going to get more Godzilla, less Godzilla? Like where, where, did, where did this kind of land for you? I think we got maybe a little bit more than I was expecting. Um, 
not much more, but I figured we'd probably get Godzilla in the first episode and Godzilla in the last episode. I didn't mm. necessarily think that we were going, maybe in one of the flashbacks we'd see him because we knew that a, a monarch got their start tracking him after they discovered he was alive again. Um, but I didn't expect us to get a ton of Godzilla. I was expecting us to see more of other other Titans, maybe. And even then, I wasn't sure how much Titan we were going to get. But I think it was a it was a good amount of Godzilla. We got to see, you know, the Bikini Atoll thing. We got to see a little bit of G Day. We got to see him in the modern times, like in the desert, which I was not expecting at all. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't really expecting him to come out of the rift here either, necessarily. And so we and we finally got like a nice kaiju battle. We haven't really had a kaiju battle proper since the first episode whenever a uh, uh, mother long legs and like the crab creature whatever it was called fight as a poor billy plunged to you know or poor billy like yeah almost died at that moment he died later on uh but you know that's never he lost the files during that kaiju battle so i thought we got like one more kaiju battle basically book ended the series with some kaiju battles uh, but that was fun. It was like brief, but you know, Godzilla's the king, and this yeah. thing, you know, came at the king and it missed. It didn't miss whatever it was spitting in his face, but a uh, <laughs> Godzilla didn't miss with his atomic breath either. And he just like blasted the crap out of the thing. Yeah, no, that what came out of his face kind of reminded me a little bit of like when Bell throws up. Uh, it was just like decently frequently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not something you want to see, especially on your carpet. That's for sure. Um, anyway. <laughs> So we got to see a little bit of Godzilla here. That was very fun um, and exciting. And it worked. Uh, So we had a a Titan come down from the surface and a rift opens up and uh, the Vortex uh, begins to suck up the craft. But Lee, uh, who was out there trying to fix the ball, apparently it worked instantly and it gets sucked up immediately. And he's holding on. We have this. We have this scene here where he's kind of holding on to Keiko, and then Keiko is being held by uh, both Kate and May, kind of down below um, the craft. And Lee is like, um, "Well, I'm. I'm. I just have to let go." Okay, you know, thank you, thank you for all that you've done. It's been great. Peace. And he drops. Of course, my first thought here: perfect opportunity for season two. We don't need to sign Kurt Russell again because he's probably not doing another season of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Maybe we get Wyatt Russell. I don't know. Maybe we'll see what we get next season. But this certainly um, was like, okay, Kurt Russell's our big name. We we might not have him for season two. Let's come up with a way that if we don't have him, we can still do it. Um, But also, I don't think this moment was terrible for Lee. The, the, The problem that I have is I almost wish it had to be more of an intentional sacrifice other than we're not quite strong enough to pull him in. And then he has to let go and fall. Like it still is a sacrifice. I don't want to like diminish that. I just sort of wish that like I had to go out further to the ball and I had to stay here while they got sucked up in order to make sure it still worked. Or like it was an actual active choice because in my mind, if they had just pulled harder or a little bit earlier, like theoretically he could have still gotten up and it was more of a, they couldn't physically do it instead of him actively making the choice because he did make the choice because they couldn't physically do it instead of him making the choice, regardless of the situation. You know what I mean? Like I wish, I wish it were more of an active situation as opposed to him just, you know, just ultimately not being able to be pulled back on board. Yeah, I I can see that. It didn't really bother me because he is still actively making the choice to let go to save Keiko. Like, because she is, like, holding on and she's getting dragged out with them. 
And so he's making the active choice to let go, make her let go so that they're not both lost because he can tell they're not going to be able to get him in. And the only way to save her is for him to let go. And he's willing to make that sacrifice so that Keiko can uh, finally go back and you know, see her family and live back in the real world. Uh, he's lived his life. It's time for her to live hers. So I see what you're saying, but for me, it still worked well enough because he was making a decision in that moment to uh, sacrifice himself for Keiko. Yeah, he definitely still made the decision. I, I just wanted to like a little bit more agency proactively on his part, as opposed to what seemed like a reactive, um, because, like, I don't, I don't know, maybe they could have just pulled him harder or something. I don't know. Um, but that's all we really get of Lee. Uh, are we going to see Kurt Russell ever play this character again? Is my question to you, Todd. I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we will, but, again, we didn't really see a body. We don't know how high up he was whenever he fell and all, but we didn't see a body. We don't know what happened to him. So as long as we don't see a body, as, as Keiko proved, you don't see the body, like, broken on the ground, then there's a possibility he's still going to be around. So if Kurt Russell was willing to do it, and by all reports, he and his son just had a great time doing the show. Like everything I've seen of them, especially them getting to work together. Yeah. Now, if, if they're not having any more young Lee flashbacks, maybe Kurt Russell isn't doing it. If he doesn't get a chance to work with his son, I think that was like a big draw for both of them. And they like really enjoyed doing that. So maybe he doesn't come back, but I think he had a good time regardless. So I mean, maybe he comes back. And if he does, like, they have like an easy, easy out to bring bring Lee back out of there. Because again, we didn't see the body. But I think the odds are better than not that we won't see him again. In which case, farewell, Lee. It's been a wonderful time having you on our TV. You were one of the highlights of the show. And I would love to have you back for more. But if not, then I'm happy for what we did get of you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think this was a highlight character. And I actually think that both versions of Lee were fantastic. Like, I, I really do think that both past storyline and present storyline Lee were really outstanding. And it's it's kind of a shame that we didn't do more timey-wimey stuff to get them together in a scene or some kind of sequence there. It, it would just never have made sense. And it would have been really clunky and I don't, it wouldn't have fit with the show, but it's kind of a shame that we didn't get to see them together and how cool that would have been um, had we figured out a way to make it work. But I really do think that both iterations of Lee were outstanding. And I, I, I mean, I have no notes or criticisms uh, besides maybe some of like the writing motivations of, of this character, but like, that's not that's not their fault. That's not the acting. Um, the acting was absolutely outstanding. So I definitely agree. I don't think it's likely. I don't think we're gonna get it. Unfortunately, I would take it. I would love it. I would eat it up with a silver spoon. Um, but I don't. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get it. We'll see. Um, but it really was great. Todd, let's get back out to the surface and finish off Monarch Legacy of Monsters here with our final sequence. We are emerging through this rift onto an airstrip and it is surrounded by you know lights and all these jeeps and this you know modern technology and stuff like that um all this you know science stuff and we see uh, all these soldiers kind of running around and and we're you know uh we see kentaro and hiroshi okay hiroshi's back on the screen i have to compose myself a little bit here he recognizes keiko almost immediately and they hug and kate introduces keiko to Kentaro, here's my brother. A little bit of missing context here. Um, like they are brother and sister, but uh, uh, there's another conversation that needs to be had oh, here. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But I think it was trying to show, like, uh, I think it's 
might be one of the first times that Kay actually like refers to him as her brother, like without any sort of like, you know, half brother, any sort of like equivocations. Like she's like fully embracing Kentaro as her brother in this moment, which I think is kind of like the, the thing that they're going for. There may have been another moment before. I know there's a part where Kentaro's like pulls away to say, we have brother, sister stuff to talk about, but I feel like the siblings have not always like necessarily referred to each other as siblings without some sort of pushback. So it's kind of show like, yeah, they finally moved past all that and are, you know, whatever their dad did to Kate, he's her brother. No other qualifiers needed. Which is interesting because I'd I'd be very curious to see what Kentaro's two years are like. We'll see. We'll see here. And we talked about this earlier. The the idea of some time has passed here in the present, obviously, because we were dealing with some timey wimey stuff below. I'd be interested to see what Kentaro's two years were like. Actually, as much as I joke about more Kentaro and what that would mean for us watching it, I would be interested to see what happened here. Um, maybe outside of Hiroshi. Maybe I don't need to see Hiroshi. Um, but then Brenda appears out of nowhere. A little surprising. I thought we were going to see Verdugo here. Um, we see Brenda appears um saying that they want to get them all checked out and revealing that apex um the the company that um uh, may was sort of a spy for and then combined here with some monarch motivations all that kind of stuff and of course we know apex from from future future movies as well not to spoil things but we've talked about this before certainly um and they want to get them all checked out and may ask them, you know we're working together now and tim says it's a little complicated is it complicated tim tell me tell me about this tim is still involved <laughs> Tim is still involved and Katara's like a lot has changed over the past two years. Two years is the time here. Not as long as I thought we might go given the implied time jump. Like if you would have told me we're going to time jump, I would not have guessed just two years. It feels like either too long or not long enough, but it's how long we chose. So we'll see kind of ramifications for that. Maybe um, in a future season, not certainly not in this episode. Um, because May is like, you know, what's, what's going on here. And Brenda replies only everything. Oh, uh, sorry. Only everything I ever promised you. Uh, Why are you being cryptic here? Why, why are you being so cryptic? She's just trying to ask a question. Give her some actual answers here. Okay. We were down there for two years. Give some answers. Todd, what's going on here? Uh, that's a very good question. And we have a little bit of insight into what apex does in the Godzilla versus Kong time period, but that's also several years down the road from this. Uh, But the name of them is, it is Apex Cybernetics. They've talked about trying to study Titans. So, uh, and trying to be able to get things from their biology, from their DNA, from their structures to be able to help them help humanity. So what Brenda is implying here is that everything she told May about what their work was going to do to help humanity, that's what Apex is doing. Do I believe that? Eh, not really, but that's the that's the uh, line that Brenda's trying to sell here. Um, yeah, and also, where's Verdugo? Do you think Verdugo is here? Is she still no. involved no. in anything? No, because the whole thing is, like, Monarch cut them loose, and Tim's like, you know, Monarch's not going to work with Hiroshi, and Tim's like, yeah, but Monarch's not the only game in town. Yeah. So, uh, because whenever you get to see the name of the facility, the name of the facility isn't Apex slash Monarch Station. It is apex skull island research station and that's where we are as alarms begin to sound the alarm bells are ringing and everyone is you know getting inside going inside of this kind of pretty big hangar we do see that label you're talking about before apex skull island research station as who should appear but kong himself king kong comes out of the jungle beating 
his chest and roaring doing the El Clasico Kong, uh, you know, uh, beat chest roar situation here that we have seen many a time in these movies. Um, kind of out of nowhere. Again, we talked at the beginning of this podcast, what Titans are in play. We both, uh, I was not confident that we would see Kong here in this capacity at the end. Um, but this, this asks more questions than it answers for sure. At the end of this, a couple things that I sort of want to focus on. It seems though Hiroshi and Kentaro planned for this and knew what was going on. Sort of, they had some kind of advanced scientific hypothesis of where they could come out or predict or where the signal was coming from. I don't, I don't know what was what exactly was going on here, but it certainly seemed as though they had predicted both the time and the location of where the group would emerge from the hollow earth. Now we've seen skull Island, you know, in, in other movies and other places. And even at the beginning of um, the beginning of the show, like we've seen this as a, as a, as a setting, do you make anything of this, of their ability to predict the, both the time and the location of the emergence? Um, I think it just is speaking towards them getting a much better understanding of what's going on with the rifts. Sure. But I don't, I'm very curious to hear how they were able to do this because it feels strange because where they are leaving from is not where the signal was originally coming from. You know, they, they they left from a different spot from them where Keiko was sending the signal. They moved to a different spot to be closer to a uh, the craft, which was actually near an ongoing rift. Where, yes. And so they had to travel a ways to get there. So if the signal had been coming from right by this rift, then it would make a lot more sense about why uh, they were able to predict this. But how they were able to predict this after it moved... I'm curious to see how they work it all out. If maybe they figured out it was being done from the craft and that's a, uh, that's the only way it could have been done. And so they figured that out and figure, well, this is where the craft might come out. Although it's coming out from a very different location from where it first went in because it first went in, in Kansas and now it's coming out on skull Island. So how they're able to figure out all of this, I don't know. And I'm very curious to see how much time energy they put into pre- into explaining how the physics of all of this works. Because right now, the math ain't mathing to me. Yeah. But uh, also, physics gets weird when the Titans are around. So that could be all that we get. I was going to say, I'm no scientist. I'm not famously on record. I'm not a scientist, not a doctor, not a lawyer. However... I do think we can just sort of wave our hands and go science is how we know we did some science. Someone to hold, we, we see, uh, we see Hiroshi holding up a map and Kentaro shining a flashlight at two different points. And one of them scans us and one of them skull. I had to be like, Oh my God. <laughs> and so I don't know. I don't think there needs to be some like big reason for this, but I do think they need to have figured something out there has yeah. to be an explanation of like i drew this conclusion and knew that it was going to be here and that's why we we're able to set this up my one thought is if titans are able to attract rifts maybe there is something to connecting rifts of different titans and they needed to be around 
Kong because Rift, and they're going from I don't I, I'm I don't know, but like be, being around Titans, it would it would make sense to me if there were an, a, a higher likelihood or a better chance of the Rift opening up near a place where Titans are actively living and going in and out of presumably that would make sense to me in some kind of Titan science world here. I, I, it has to be more complicated than that. And they, they're going to give us more than that. I have to imagine, but that's sort of like the basis for me coming up with some kind of conclusion here. Kong is here. Therefore Titan events riffs will also be here. Yeah. And there are plenty of Titans on Skull Island in yes. the, in the Kong Skull Island film. They talk about the hollow earth being connected to Skull Island. Uh, but in Godzilla versus Kong, they exit to go somewhere else to be able to access a rift. Uh, so how all the rifts work, it's still a big question mark. And I have a, have to have a feeling because in, you know, in the setup of this, you know, there are rifts all over the place. And yet in Godzilla King of Monsters, there's like nary a mention of rifts. Rifts are not a thing that are mentioned at all in Godzilla King of Monsters. There are lots of titans on the earth hibernating, but rifts do not come up at all in the MonsterVerse itself. They talk about Hollow Earth a lot. Hollow Earth gets talked about a lot. There are multiple things of people like talking about, oh, I knew that's how the Titans got around was through the Hollow Earth, whatever, but they're still act, talking like it's a theory instead of something that's been proven. So I have to imagine if we do get a second season of uh, Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters, it will be a story of them trying to shut down the rifts that are threatening to start another G day and they will yeah. shut down the majority of the rifts and there will only be like a handful that are still active. Um, because another big thing in Godzilla King of Monsters is a rift being opened, like a permanent rift, like being opened up between the Titan world and the real world in a very dramatic fashion. Um, so yeah, and so you mentioned like you're you're not a scientist. You don't need them to get into all all the like details. I'm kind of like to to make a comparison to like the Huey crew. I'm probably I'm along like the Kevin lines of thinking. I like kind of lines in between you and Melissa. Where you yeah you don't really care about that. And Melissa gets really upset when they use sciencey words that don't make a whole lot of sense in the context. Whereas I'm with Kevin I'm like. I like to have explanations, even if they don't make sense in the real world, as long as they're consistent in the fictional world, I'm happy. And so that's why whenever I get tripped on this stuff is because the things don't quite add up with what's been said in other films. And I can get past that. I can like, okay, they're retconning it away and that's fine uh, because whenever they made the first film, they weren't expecting all of this stuff. Uh, but I much prefer it when they actually retcon the stuff in the actual a uh, media itself and they don't just a uh, ignore it, but they come up with an in world explanation for why it's different this time. I would love for them to do that. I would love for them to just like, even again, I don't need a long drawn out explanation. I need a throwaway line. I need yeah. a throwaway line to just say, we did this sort of science and this is why it worked this way this time and moving on. And then I will be a happy camper. Well, and not to, I don't want to like get too in the weeds of potential theories for what a season two could look like or what a theory could look like here. But I mean, there, there could, certainly could be something along the lines of, well, there was a rift here on Skull Island, but we had to blow it up for you to come through. 
at this point and make it open and then it closed down which is why we couldn't use it before and then we i, I don't know like there, there's certainly options at um at the disposal of the show and the universe because of course the, the other thing to consider here while this is a, a tv show that we're talking about here monarch legacy of monsters there's it's a it's a monster verse there are movies involved here that will change the canon of the universe and potentially offer more rules for us to follow more information for us to treat as gospel um and including up you know upcoming upcoming movies and potential plans for a season two here there's more to do there's more to think about and act upon than just the show now i do think that the show can be viewed as independent ish of future movies in terms of our overall enjoyment of this season one but i mean we we were um uh the 2014 godzilla movie we were there all the time in the show i mean it's it, like certainly this was not an independent show although i do think you could enjoy it without having seen the movie it gave you everything you needed but like th th this is a larger connected piece of the puzzle is sort of what i'm saying here and i don't think we can ignore the other parts of it as it continues to be built around it even if we do get a season two it's not going to be the only other in canon events of this of this world and so I, I wonder if when we're getting answers to some of these questions, if a season two of the show is not the only place we should be looking for those answers or explanations and how much how much the, the movie runners are going to care about the stuff that's done in the show. And I think like to some extent, probably not at all, right? Like to some extent, the show is, is going to kind of be treated as slightly independent. But on the other hand, we're using big in-universe names, right? The, the, na the last name, Randa, is all over this show. And it's it's very difficult to imagine a world where another MonsterVerse movie is not going to at least pretend to to use some of some of the Monarch stuff. So um, all that to say, there's a lot of options available for the future of this universe, for the future of this show. They certainly have the tools at their disposal to make something interesting and exciting and engaging for a season two. What that looks like, who that includes, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, like, uh, like the uh, the possibilities are are like truly endless, and I don't mean that to say like they can do whatever they want. It's that there's a lot of paths forward, and I think there's a lot of good paths forward. Yeah, and we will find out how much this will impact the bigger MonsterVerse in just a few months. Because April, uh, right now, as of right now, April 14th is a scheduled release date of Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire which is going to deal a lot with a uh, the connection between the Hollow Earth. There's like, if you've seen the trailers, if you don't want trailer spoilers, like fast forward just a few few seconds, but uh, there's like other Kongs showing up in the trailers for Godzilla X Kong. Uh, and so there's like a lot of stuff going on that is like a connection between Hollow Earth and real Earth. We're going to be getting a lot more about rifts. And you have to think it is all a connected world. And so this stuff that's having this is probably going to inform that to some degree and how much it will inform it. Who knows? But just like in like, you know, three or four months, we will have some more monster first material. And after that, maybe we'll get a season two, maybe not. Maybe we'll get more movies, maybe not. But uh, I am happy that we want to wait that long to get a little bit more MonsterVerse in our lives. Yeah, and I also have to imagine just the way that these shows kind of work, that if we're going to get a season two, it's going to be announced pretty quickly. And I don't think they're going to take a lot of time doing it, just 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 based on the timing of previous um, 
Apple shows. I just, I just anticipate that kind of announcement happening decently soon. Um, but we'll see. Uh, certainly, if there's a season two, we'll be here to talk about it. We'll be uh, engaging in all those conversations, which you can, of course, do over at Postal Recaps. PostalRecaps.com slash subscribe. Todd, Monarch Legacy of Monsters is over. Season one is over. Is there anything else that you want to say about anything that we have seen over the course of the past 10 episodes? Uh, I just want to reiterate again. Yeah, we had like a we had some complaints in this issue, uh, uh, some complaints in this episode about a few things, but overall, I have really enjoyed the show. I have like you no know, the uh, the Russell boys just did a phenomenal job, uh, but even beyond that, there's been like lots of really fun characters, lots of fun action moments, lots of fun intrigue. Uh, Tim was like a standout as well. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed getting to geek out about being a Godzilla TV show as a lifelong Godzilla fan. So it's just been a blast. Okay, Todd, we have one final thing to discuss on this podcast, because at the end of the last episode, we did a draft (laughs) for who would solve the problem that we would decide upon this episode who would figure it out and i think i do think there are a couple of options here so just to reset the teams you had keiko hiroshi and kentaro and i took lee tim and kate i think um we have to take a couple people out of this almost unequivocally um hiroshi and kentaro i think have to be out because we didn't see anything they did Maybe maybe they did something, and in season two, we could come, we could look back on this and being like, oh, well, that was actually correct. In terms of what we saw, it was not those two. Very, very convenient you automatically eliminate two people on my team. Well, I'm about convenient. to eliminate two people on my team, too, because Tim did not do a singular thing. Um, Tim maybe got together Hiroshi and Kentaro. It's like the most that he did, but it was all, all off screen, their contribution of it. I also think I have to get rid of Kate because oh, yeah. um, she just didn't do, like in terms of who was actually down there, she did not do anything. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because both Keiko and Lee, I think, have very real arguments um, for for um, who like actually solved the thing. Now, you have Keiko, I have Lee. So this is going to sound very convenient as I say this. I think Lee gets it over Keiko and not to diminish what Keiko did in terms of the sending of the signal. But I think if we define the problem as trying to get out of the hollow earth, I do think it's Lee that puts oh. together the uh, attract the Titan form the rift. And then he's ultimately the one that fixes it and makes the sacrifice play. I think I have to give it to Lee Todd. Oh, a thousand percent. I'm not, I'm not going to argue for Keiko here at all <laughs> because Keiko does nothing really to help. I mean, she resets it back to what it was beforehand she because does. Lee tells her to, you know, that's basically yeah, that's uh, Keiko true. Keiko's a, uh, you know, and then she's like, is trying to get in the way because he's like, no, I can do this. Uh, yeah. No, I think the problem is like whenever we did this draft, this was not the problem that we were talking about solving. That's the big issue is like, yeah, they're the ones who solved the problem in this episode, but that's not the problem that we were talking. We were talking about like the overall rift problem is the problem. So our, our draft was for a completely different issue than what was actually addressed uh, here. But out of the problem that was solved in this episode, I mean, I, I was that yeah, even though I would fight a little bit for Hiroshi and Kataro and Tim, they did something but uh, it was lee that got them out of there like even if tim and kentaro and hiroshi hadn't done whatever they did with apex to set up this base a uh lee still would have gotten them through a rift 
to the back to like the surface world and it might have landed somewhere differently there might not be anyone there to protect them but the actual big problem yeah lee is the one who saw the problem in this episode how cool would it have been if the three of them just showed up on the surface and in a forest and in the background we see kong beat his chest and no one else is around and they're just all alone on skull island would that have been cool would that have been better or worse than what we got at the end um i don't know if it's be better i don't know if it'd be worse i think i think it'd just be different i i really like the setup of apex being involved i really like the way that it sets up that for the next a uh one it also sets up the time jump in a way that we wouldn't have necessarily gotten if it just been them with kong in the background they wouldn't have had any way of knowing how much time had passed i like kind of having that clock on it uh, to set up like okay how much time is going um so yeah, I think it might have been a little bit worse, maybe. But I think it still would have been like, like that would have had more of a "oh crap, how are they getting out of this" deal. So it would have been like a different type of tension than what we got. So I think it would have been different, not necessarily better or worse. But I think I, on the whole, prefer the apex ending. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, that's gonna be it for us here at Poster Recaps covering Monarch Legacy of Monsters. At least for now, we'll see about the season two. We'll see about the movie. There'll probably be some, I don't know, there might be some coverage on Poster Recaps of the upcoming uh, Monsterverse movie. Who's to say? Who knows? We don't know at this point. But um, this has been great, Todd. This has been so much fun talking about all 10 episodes of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. This is not a show that I would typically watch or talk about on my own. It's just really not. I'm not like a... I, weirdly enough i'm like not a big sci-fi guy really at all and monsters just don't usually do it for me but it was the elements of the show that were not that that really intrigued me and kept me engaged throughout and it's a little unfortunate the hiroshi of it all because i think that had a lot of potential to really be better than it was and to elevate this in a way that it just wasn't but the parts that were good i think were really really good everything involving lee fascinating the family dynamics fascinating the may stuff when we got the good may stuff fascinating um freaking tim man <laughs> i loved him uh there were some really really good moments in the show and i'm ultimately glad that we had the opportunity to watch all of this together and to talk about it thank you all for uh listening along and engaging in the conversation i um certainly appreciate that and we love all of the uh the comments and thoughts about the show in general as well as uh everything that's going on in this universe so uh thank you all for following along with us todd um one one last time here as we get out of here what are you what are you up to these days where can people find you if they want more Todd the librarian in their lives so you can always find me on most social media platforms at librarian Todd because Todd librarian is too many characters you can also find me over on one in his travel pad podcast where adam lindy and i are going through girls five eva season two currently and our new a uh, side project that's under the one show podcast umbrella previous little liars where adam lindy marissa and i are going through the first season of pretty little liars but only by watching the previously on recaps as adam lindy and marissa tried to figure out what the heck is going on and i try not to spoil them on what's going on since i've actually seen the show yeah spoiler alert we don't know what's going on um <laughs> yeah spoiler alert they don't <laughs> yeah we have no clue uh i'm adam h you can find me on twitter at piano man adam one as well as over in one of the scrubble podcast talking about all kinds of stuff over there musically related and pretty little lies related that's at one cxg podcast on twitter um, I'm also doing some stuff in the post show recaps realm. I am talking about Doctor Who. We have the upcoming uh, specials as well. We just did the Christmas special, and then we'll be getting back to 
um, a regularly scheduled uh, rewatch of the Matt Smith era as well. Right after that, that's with Kevin and Melissa talking about Final Fantasy IX with Brooklyn Zed. And I'm also talking about Percy Jackson, the new Disney Plus series with Melissa and plenty of guests in that podcast as well. Go check that out. That's been a ton of fun. Um, Todd, that's going to do it for us here uh, for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Thank you all again one more time for listening along. We definitely appreciate it. Um, and until the next time that you hear from us on uh, potentially a season two or any other show that you might be happening to listen to, we will see you. Bye. Ah.